Scarlett Hiltabeitel is the author of the books Afraid of All the Things, You're the Worst Person in the World, The Anxious Bible Study, and other books. She and her husband live in Nashville, Tennessee, where she loves sign language with her three daughters, nachos by herself, writing for her friends, and studying stand-up comedy with a passion that she says should really be reserved for more important pursuits. Scarlett, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on Takeaways. Thank you for having me. Well, I have to admit, full disclosure, I was a little scared of mispronouncing your last name. You did it really I was like, well. Hiltibidal, That's what Hiltibidal, most people say. And I, I just tell people it's my husband's fault, and, you know, it's really hard. There's a lot of I's and L's, and you did a great job. <laughs> what a fantastic topic this is. To talk about fears, what are some of the most common fears people have? I was in a little town speaking recently, and it was a town that had, it was kind of on the border with a town that had a lot of gang violence. And they were talking about a recent shooting in the town. It was the mm -hmm. night before I was gonna speak about fear. And I was talking to these women and I, and they were talking about their teenage daughters and their anxiety. And I said, oh, is it because of the violence that you guys were just talking about? And she said, oh no, they're just worried about, you know, if, so, if they say the wrong thing in front of their friends. Mm. And I thought that was so interesting because I have found for me and for most people I've talked to, it's a lot more common to be afraid of like, you know, social interactions. Yeah. Um, if he says this and then I say that, and then he's, if Kirk Cameron says something to me and I answer this wrong, then what am I gonna look like on the screen, you know? And so yeah. I think that that's, the, I mean, I think Jerry Seinfeld said, death is second to public speaking in people's in fears. In terms of people's fears. Yeah, so. Isn't, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Uh, I, I think I spent most of my teenage years just being afraid of embarrassing myself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big one. <laughs> what, what's, an, what's another big one? I think you can be afraid of anything. I mean, I know we're gonna get to Jesus, <laughs> but if you take your eyes off of Jesus for one second and look out at the world, it's terrifying. So everything is the answer. <laughs> I think everything is scary. You, you write in your book that some of your fears stemmed from your childhood. What are, yeah. what are some of those things? Um, well, I had a weird childhood. You know, I was thinking before I came on your show, you grew up in Hollywood, yeah. but you were working, you know? You were sitting behind the cameras and I was the daughter of an actress. So I was raised in the wings and I was just kind of observing the world from this very unique position. Um, and I was being taught that the gospel is true. I was raised to believe the Bible, but I was also seeing, and you can attest to this, just an, a unique view of the world and the darkness that can be in Hollywood sometimes. Yeah. And so I just kind of had this, and my parents got divorced when I was five and we were always moving. So it was just, I was just a little kid trying to yeah. absorb it all. Trying to make sense of reality. Yeah, and I just thought, I just wanna be normal. And I just wanna, you know, I don't want anything to do with Hollywood and I just wanna eat dinner at the same time every night and live in a safe house. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted safety and predictability. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, boy, th that's so true, and I can relate to what you're talking about because my childhood was upended with all sorts of adult problems right. and dealing with lawyers and managers, and I'm 14 years old, and then uh, publicity and popularity and all of that, and you can long for, for normalcy. Um, what were some of the fears that, that were the most <laughs> difficult for you to deal with? You, you list them in, in the book <laughs> of your personal fears. Yeah, I, you know, I start chapter one and I joke about it. We, we make light of, of difficult things in my family. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I collapsed in a grocery store when I was five or six, convinced I had appendicitis because I'd read Madeline, the book about the little girl who gets her appendix out. And I was just convinced I'm dying of appendicitis. Oh, and no. they took me to the hospital. I mean, it was, health fears were a huge, 
a huge one for me. And then it kind of transitioned as I got older to, I was learning that the Bible is true and I didn't have the experience of reading the whole Bible yet or walking with Jesus on my own. And so I would just pull verses out from sermons and my Christian school. And, you know, I would read that Jesus said, you know, you did all these things in my name, depart from me, I never knew you. And I'm trying to be this normal, perfect goody two-shoes. So I was like, oh no, am I doing it perfectly enough? Am I a good enough Christian? And yep. that kind of became the overwhelming um, fear that trumped all my other, you know, sinkholes and appendicitis fears <laughs> right. for many years. Um, because I knew the gospel, I could quote so much scripture to you about how it's um, by faith and not by my works, but I lived like it was by my works. And I kind of lived like I believed I needed Jesus to get to heaven. I had that part down, but then I thought I had to kind of like white knuckle it through the rest of my life and hope I was doing good enough to please him. Yep. I think a lot of people do that and not realizing the gospel was for today and I could rest today and be at peace with God today. You know? I totally know what you're talking <laughs> about. Scarlett, I can relate to exactly what you're saying. Um, I spoke recently uh, with my friend Ray Comfort, uh, and, and he's always brought up that verse in Matthew chapter 7, I believe it is. Uh, uh, many of you will say that you, you cast out demons in my name, and you call me Lord, Lord, and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And I've always found that to be the scariest verse. And you know what makes it even more terrifying? Is for years, I would look at the clock, and I would see 722. 722, and I think oh. that verse is Matthew 7, 22. And I'm like, Lord, are you speaking to me? Am uh -huh. I that person, right? And uh, so I think a lot of people can relate to that. You understand the gospel. I have a savior, but at the end of the day, there are those people who have deceived themselves with a form of religion that actually has no power to save them, to change them, anything, mm -hmm. because they're still in love with their sin. Right. And you don't wanna be that person. Right. And you don't want to be, you also don't want to be the self-righteous. I mean, I was blinded by self-righteousness, you know. Mm. Um, I couldn't think of a sin I was attached to when I was a, you know, 16-year-old new believer. But my sin was thinking that I was able to be perfect apart from <laughs> the grace of God, even though I would say, mm. I need the grace of God. Um, so, yeah, I had a, a big turning gospel turning point. Scarlett, how did your fears change through the different stages of your life from teenage years to adult years to, to marriage and motherhood? Marriage and motherhood, well, motherhood specifically was like peak panic fear <laughs> mode for me. Having my first baby, um, I wanted to be a good mom. You know, it, it's always shifted from whatever it is to just goodness. Like, I want to be the best. I want to be good. And um, that's where I had my life-changing moment that mm. inspired that book and kind of started my whole ministry because I was a pastor's wife. I was living this professional Christian life. I had Bible college degree. I knew the verses. And yet I was living mis this miserable life. I wasn't joyful and peaceful. Mm. And I would see Christians like my grandma Marlene, who's in heaven now, I'm wearing her gold chain. Um, and I would see her just live life through varying circumstances yeah. with joy and peace. And I think, okay, I think that that Matthew 722, I think that that's for me because I'm not joyful and peaceful. So I must be doing it wrong. <laughs> um, and then I had the coolest moment where I met this woman um, at a pastor's wives retreat. I brought my newborn, firstborn ever grace with me. You're not supposed to bring a baby to a retreat of women, but I was too afraid to leave her with my wonderful husband, her amazing dad, because what would happen if I wasn't with her? Right. So I'm bouncing her in three month old in the back of the group of women and they're all sharing, you know, wonderful parenting advice to us younger moms. and. Um, I was trying to absorb it all. And I'm like, okay, baby wise, sleep train. I haven't 
memorized these books yet. How am I going to be a good mom? And I'm just trying to take it all yeah. in in my panicked way that I do. Um, and then it got to this woman who, you know, the Lord used her to change my life. I don't even know her. I was with her for five minutes in a room. So I'm so grateful anytime I have something like this where I can share what she said because um, I'd heard the gospel a gazillion times. But she practically laid out how the gospel had shaped her home. And that is what changed it for me. She, you know, on the heels of all this great advice, she said, you know what? My goal is not to be the perfect mom and to raise the perfect kids. That's impossible. Um, my goal is to live the gospel out in my home and to point my family to Jesus. And I can do that when I have a good day and I can do that when I fail. Because when I have a good day, that's the grace of God. That's the Holy Spirit working through me. It wasn't me being awesome. And if I fail, if I fight with my husband or snap at my toddler who had a tantrum, I don't have to think I'm, I'm the worst and you know, the day is ruined, I'm gonna scar them for life. I can use this and, and I can acknowledge my sin to my children, mm. apologize and show them how to repent and say, mommy sinned and when we sin, like this is why we need Jesus. And so here's what I do when I sin. And then she just laid it out and she would pray a prayer of repentance in front of her family. I'm not saying I do this every time I sin, but like just that shift of like, oh my goodness, like I said, the gospel doesn't just mean I have hope that hopefully I make it by the skin of my teeth, you know, into heaven. Right. The gospel means that Jesus was good on my behalf. I knew all this in my brain, but it's like it made it its way to my heart that I did not ever have to despair because it's not about my performance, you know? And so I have chills talking about it so many years later. My oldest is 12 now and she changed, I mean, just that little thing changed my whole life. I was like, okay, my goals can change. My, my everything can change. Wow, and what a gift that is for a mom or a dad to be able to actually show our children a living, breathing illustration of the gospel in, in our own life. Mm -hmm. Honey, I've sinned against you. I'm, I'm working on these things too, but the good news is that I've got a God who forgives me and, and I, he's not finished with me yet. He's not finished with any of us. Yeah. And it helps us to parent our kids the right way and, and treat our children the way that God treats us. Mm -hmm. um, wow, that's so great. It is, it is a game changer. Man, yeah, and the coolest thing now that my girls are getting older is seeing it reflected back to me and really? where it's just like such a, a grace, you know, because you get to a point, you're walking with Jesus for a long time and then, and then you have a bad day and you're mean or something and then you're just like, oh, seriously, like I thought, whatever, this way that I am was gone by now. Mm -hmm. And to just, you know, apologize to my kids and see that they, my oldest, you know, this was a year or two ago. She was like, mommy, you forgive us all the time. Of course we forgive you. And just what a, mm. what a gift that is, you know, to, to have, to yeah. receive the gospel forgiveness back from your own kid, you know. Scarlett, you also talk about uh, learning how to hold the gospel up to your fears. What do you mean by that? You know, I think that, I think just as humans, we're just wired to cling to any, you know, we, we all want to be happy. We all want purpose and peace. And I think we live in a culture where we're kind of trying to, people can try to fit Christianity into the culture. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you just look at God's living word, I mean, that's what changed my life. Not reading this one verse that says, depart from me over and over again, but studying God's word fully and learning his character and learning what he says and who he is. That's what showed me, oh, he, he says that, but he's kind and he loves me. And, you know, so much of my spiritual fears and practical fears, I, I combat them with scripture because it's true. And so I just learned that the Bible is true, living, active. All the things I hoped it was when I was 14 and I gave my life to Jesus. I hoped it was those things. And now I'm 37 and it, I have found it to be true. And so when I hold it up to any struggle, 
you know, selfishness, sin, but for me, fear has been my main lifetime struggle. Um, you know, it's, it's impossible, I think, not to experience that supernatural peace if you really are doing what his word says, Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Well, when I shift my focus away from the death and the sadness and the scary things, then I see my hope for every, my hope for today, my hope for eternity. Um, and it does, it, it makes the fear go away. Not, I'm not a perfectly fearless person now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still an expert at being prone to panic, but I know how to fight it. I don't, I don't withdraw and hide from people anymore because I know that that's when sin grows and the Lord tells us to mm. be together and mm. be in community. He, he tells us to do things and when we obey, then we have joy and peace. And so just holding his word up to everything in life changed my life because rather than being afraid of his word, like I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a gift. His holiness and his grace, it's all a gift. And so I don't have to run away from it. That's so great for us to hear because we could fall into this trap of thinking, oh, I've got fears again. Oh, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this irrational fear. I know this is not true. I know this is mm -hmm. not likely going to happen. Why is my heart pounding? <laughs> Why are my hands uh, sweating? Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is that we can put principles into practice and it doesn't make our fears just disappear instantly and become fearless. It gives us new ways and tools to deal with those fears so that they might even drive us closer to God and strengthen our faith. Yeah, and those middle of the night moments are some of, have become some of my sweetest moments because you're right, it always happens mm -hmm. in the middle of the night and I'll wake up in a panic. And the longer you study scripture and the gospel, it's in there, you yep. know? It's like yep. the, the scripture that's in there, I don't even remember some of the stuff that comes out that then the, the Lord uses it and comforts me. And so, yeah. This is so exciting. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the most liberating things in the world to learn how to deal with the monster of fear. There are many of us who have been afraid of that monster hiding under the bed or in the closet. It's an idea, it's a fear, it's rational, it's irrational. And once we learn how to, to, to just call that monster out on the carpet and go, I'm gonna deal with you right now, then you're free from that fear for the rest of your life. Totally, yeah. You know, I, I longed for like a how-to when I used to struggle before I had had that gospel conversation that shifted everything. Um, and I've just found that the how-to is so, there's not really a how-to, but there is. And it's yeah. just obedience. It's just opening God's word and doing what it says. And I think about times in my life, and I write about it in the book too, um, but like my adopting our middle daughter was one of those things where I was terrified of adoption <clears throat> because I'd heard horror stories and I yeah. worried about my biological girls and what's this gonna do to our family. And it was one of those things where the Lord led me in his kindness, not in like, you know, I think my fear was that I was gonna go to an adoption seminar and people would be like, why haven't you adopted? You're a Christian. And the Bible says to take care of the orphans, you know? And it wasn't that way at all. It was just, I started going to Bible study every week and not just sitting quietly, um, but actually letting people into my life and thoughts and fears, actually bringing my fears and sin into the light with them. And the Lord led us to adopt joy and it's been the greatest gift to our family. I mean, mm. and it's, this, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like, I had this, I'm like, well, this is the thing that would really be scary. And the Lord gently led us into it and it was the sweetest time in our lives. Like we're jealous for that season of, you know, dependence that we had. So let's get really practical. Okay. All right, so someone has a particular fear or a whole host of fears. Um, where do you start? Do you deal with them in the morning, in the evening? Do you deal with them when you're feeling them? Uh, do you have a little ritual or routine that helps you take these thoughts captive? I took a tip from my grandma Marlene, who I've already mentioned, and 
she just, she prayed all the time. She was always singing hymns and praying. Mm. And I've just found that when the word of God is just everywhere in your life and home, it's so much easier to fight those. But everybody's different. And I think that just, you know, listening to music that is scripture set to mm. music, um, like I said, opening the Bible and not just saying, oh, the Lord says to do this, but that sounds scary. But instead doing it even when you're afraid and then finding, oh my goodness, this is the most joyful and peaceful I've ever been. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. my brain told me it would be the opposite, that this would ruin my life, but actually this is what I was made to do. And so, man, I, yeah, my most practical thing is open the Bible, do what it says. And it says, live in community, obey the Lord, you know, seek after righteousness. And you do those things and then he blesses your life. So obey the Lord in, in, in the things that he tells us to do. That'll help us with our fears and then saturate our mind, uh, create a, a world where the word of God is dwelling richly in it. Maybe you're saying through music, it could be reading the word, mm -hmm. maybe scripture on the walls. I, I've, yeah. I've seen people with beautiful artwork that is the word of God. Uh, yeah. Chalkboards with the verse of the yeah. day. I agree, when my mind is saturated with the promises of God like a sponge, then I find like you just touch that sponge and water comes out. Yep. You, 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 know, you impress upon me a fear or a thought or a concern. And, oh, I know what the Lord says about that. I've got, that reminds me of this Bible verse. Mm -hmm. I think the word of God is the antidote to our fears. Yeah, yeah. And like we were talking about earlier with the middle of the night stuff, it's like, I think about at 3 a.m., am I, am I gonna get up and go sit at the kitchen table and open my Bible? Probably not at 3 a.m., but if I've been doing that all day, every day for 20 years, then it's gonna come out. In your book, you have very practical things and you talk about fighting fear with the promises of God. What are some of those promises that we can, we can use like a weapon against fear? I mean, there's so many. I mean, he's never gonna leave us or forsake us. Philippians 1, 6, uh, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Yep. Yeah, I do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, there's so many and I, I, I learned them at such a young age. And like I said, so much of my testimony was just grabbing some verses and thinking, oh, get in there and change me. Um, but studying it, turning the page, studying it fully in its entirety is what's really helped me the most because then you're able to really see the context and the character of God. Yeah. And, and one of the things that helps me is to think of the attributes of God, the character of God, in that he is omnipotent. There is no challenge, there's no trial or difficulty that is too, uh, too much for God to handle and that he's the blessed controller of all things, mm -hmm. the Bible says. He's, he's, he's the one behind the curtain mm -hmm. who is providentially working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So even in the times of my greatest fears, he says he's going to deliver me and give me grace in that moment of need. And I go, but I don't, I've never experienced the kind of peace and trust and faith that I think I will need if that happens to me. Well, because that's because he's, he's gonna give it to you in that moment. Yeah. And so have faith and trust him now. Yep. Yeah, I had, my sister-in-law said that exact thing too. And I wrote about it in the book too, because I had this fear when I had my first daughter that, oh no, what if I love her too much? And then the Lord's gonna take her away because I love her. And you know, one of my daughters struggles with anxiety a lot. And she said something to me recently, similarly, like, oh no, mommy, like, I really like this thing and I'm afraid. And just like you said, if you just look at his commands apart from his character, then you are gonna picture an angry father who is always disappointed. Mm. Mm. But if you 
if you study his character and remember, he's a father, like he loves, he's the perfect father and he loves you and he has compassion for your weakness. He humbled himself and was a, became a human for us, you know? It just, um, it helps you fight the lies because the promises you're saying that I know too in my yeah. brain, I forget those promises if I'm so focused on yeah. wanting to control my life because we all are wired to want to control our lives. I have a friend who once said, uh, keep your fears to yourself, but share your courage with mm. others. And I thought, hmm, I'm not sure if, if that's a good idea wrong, or then. a bad idea. <laughs> my book is not good then. <laughs> so it, that, that's my question is, uh, we want to inspire people with courage and we don't want to inspire fear in them, but is it a good idea to share fear? Is there healing in community? Yeah, you know, I think there's a pendulum and I think you can be totally you know, not showing your weakness, or you can be like, here's my mess, you know, look yeah. at me. And, yeah. both, and you scare everybody else because they haven't yes. thought of those things. Yes, and both, yes, and both things are kind of bringing attention to yourself, to your goodness, or to your, oh, I'm a mess, yeah. you know? But our job is to point upward, like Elizabeth taught me, like we were made to worship the Lord, and so swinging either direction is gonna make it about us again, you know? Scarlett, what about people in our lives that are struggling with anxiety and fear. Maybe, maybe we're not afraid of those things, but they just have these unstoppable terrors. What can we do to help loved ones overcome their fears? When one of my daughters started really struggling with anxiety, I was telling a, one of my best friends that I felt so bad because I knew this was a flaw and a weakness in me, and I felt like I'd handed it down to her. Mm. And I don't want that, you know? I, yeah. I don't want her to suffer and struggle the way that I struggle. Yeah. And she said, look at it this way. What a gift that you know how to fight this battle and God chose you to be her mom and you can show her how to fight it from a position of you get it. And so I was like, you know what, Katie? <laughs> okay, compassion. The Lord has compassion on me. I can have compassion on my daughter. So if you have people in your life and you don't get the struggle, I would say just lead with compassion. You know, the Lord loves us with compassion and it doesn't make sense to anyone else, the crazy stuff that goes on in our minds when we're anxious, but it, it's overwhelming, you know, for the one suffering it. And I know that from experience. And so when I see it in my kids, um, I'm not always perfectly patient, but I ask that the Lord will help mm. me remember that we're all weak. You know, he knows our frame, his word says, um, he remembers that we are dust. And that's so comforting to me. <laughs> wow, that, th this is really important. And I think an encouragement for people. Um, I was recently talking with someone who had experienced a, um, a, a, a relational trauma in their marriage. And as much as I wanted to be able to help this person, what they really wanted was just to be in the presence of somebody else who understood. What value that brings to our trials when we say, mm -hmm. God, why really? You, you let this happen to me? Like, or, or, or I have these fears that I have to wrestle with every day. Well, that actually can turn out to be a massive gift to somebody else just because you understand. Even if you don't say anything, mm -hmm. you just are letting someone else know that they are understood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been on the receiving end of that. And then just being someone who's gotten to talk to people who struggle with anxiety, it's been mm. a gift to be able to comfort them and be able to say, you know, maybe I'm not perfectly peaceful all the time, but I am not a slave to my panic anymore. I'm not. I don't live the way I used to live. Lord, please protect me and my people. Let me hide until it's heaven time. You know, that's yeah. like how I yeah. used to live. And you don't have to live like that. Thank you, Scarlett, for sharing this with us and for writing this book and the practical ways that we can take every thought captive because uh, 
for too long we hear uh, people quote verses like, anxiety is a sin. The Bible says, rejoice always, be anxious for nothing. Therefore, if you're anxious, but with prayer and supplication, well, there's practical things that we can do mm -hmm. so that we can live beyond our fears and anxieties, even when they don't stop coming. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.